This is episode number 105 with 10th fittest man on planet Earth, Will Morad. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. On this show, I bring you people who have been hyper-focused on becoming the best version of themselves up to this point in their lives, have seen great success in doing so, and continue to work on themselves day in and day out. Today's guest is no different. Will Morad was named the 10th fittest man in the world after finishing 10th overall in the CrossFit Games this past summer. He could have placed even higher if he hadn't torn his hamstring at the end of the Games. This interview was done at the last event I did at Yeehaw Brewing Company here in downtown Nashville. The event consisted of a 30-minute workout followed by an intermission where people were given food and drinks and then this live podcast interview in front of 70 guests who attended. Will's journey to 10th fittest man in the world was anything but smooth sailing. Back in 2014, Will made a burst onto the CrossFit scene after having finished 14th overall in the CrossFit Games. Then in 2017, Will was diagnosed with IgA nephropathy which is an autoimmune disorder only to find out six months later that the diagnosis was completely wrong. So after having dove into corporate America, Will talks about his decision to return back to CrossFit, to return back to CrossFit full time. Will talks about what it was like taking medication for something that was misdiagnosed. He talks about his job in corporate America, his decision to go back to the games, how he met his wife, the lessons he's learned from his coach, what separates the best from the best, and what the difference is between training and exercising is. I'm super excited for you guys to dive into this episode. Make sure that you take a screenshot of it when you're listening and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me at carrier underscore best you and Will at Will Morad to let us know you're listening. Then share the episode with a friend or a family member that is looking to separate from the pack, not only in fitness but in life. Will talks about how self-awareness has been one of the most key things for him to reach the level of success that he has and allowed him to separate himself from the others. And when you're done with the episode, leave it a quick review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. I'd love to hear what you guys think of Will and what your favorite part was. My goal of this show is to bring you guys accessible and free inspiration and tools so that you can upgrade yourself every single week to chase down your best you. Leaving a rating and review would be a great way for you to help support the show and get it in front of more eyes and ears. Also, if you've never watched these episodes on YouTube, they're all up there as well. You can see what the live interview looked like and felt like just by typing in Nick Carrier on YouTube if you're interested. Also, make sure you follow Will on Instagram to stay up to date with him and his upcoming competitions at Will Morad, W-I-L-L-M-O-O-R-A-D. And you can keep up with his efforts to move from 10th fittest to the fittest man in the entire world. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on getting closer to the best version of yourself today with the inspiring Will Morad. Appreciate you guys. I'm going to press the record button here. I guess that'd be smart. All right. It's on. It's going. All right. Well, welcome. Well, welcome, everybody. Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast after the workout. Just uh, crushed a 30-minute workout. That's pretty good. Nice. Nice. Everybody got a few drinks, a little bit of food. Looks good. Make the interview a little bit better. It's going to be great anyway, but his words will be a little bit better after one drink, maybe. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, good. basically, this is Will Morad. Will is the 10th fittest man on planet Earth. Uh, I finished 10th in the CrossFit Games uh, this past summer, uh, which is freaking awesome. So basically the way I want to actually start today, before we get back into your story, is just like, what are you most excited about now after your 10th place finish this year? Man, it's kind of cliche, but I think just building on my success from this past season. Yeah. Um, being an athlete, you have to have short-term memory, right? So like I had awesome success this year, 
and I'm proud of that effort, but now we need to build on that and we need to do a little bit better next year. So I think I'm excited to get back into the season, to start the 2020 season and just start taking off goals for this year. Yeah. Um, just put last year behind me and head down. Is there any one particular thing right now that you're like, I need to start doing this better? That's, that would make the biggest difference? Um, right now, I've, I partially tore my hamstring at the games, so right. I'm just kind of focused on rehabbing right now uh, and not so much working on any weaknesses, just making sure my body's recovered from the games because the season is really, really um, tiring. I'm traveling all over the world. I'm competing um, all the time. So just making sure my body and mind are fully recovered before I really start grinding and training um, and pushing my body again. Okay. So health. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Awesome. So to give everybody a little background on Will after kind of starting there, Will grew up in Brentwood, Tennessee, went to Ravenwood High School, right? Yeah, correct. Awesome. So local guy, which is very uh, rare to come by nowadays. Um, but he grew up playing soccer um, and then played D1 soccer over at Belmont. Um, I know we had a few Belmont students here today. I'm not sure if they're yeah. here anymore. But uh, so we played D1 soccer over at Belmont. And then kind of after soccer, when you realized like, that part of your life, that part of your career was over with, you kind of found CrossFit. And that kind of filled the void of being able to compete. And you've always really loved working out, studied exercise science, right? Yeah. Um, and so started doing CrossFit and back in 2011. And then kind of to fast forward through, the, through that, in 2014, he finished 14th, 14th overall in the CrossFit game. So had a really like high burst on the scene um, and, and everything like that. And then 2015, 2016, just came up short of making, making it to the games. And then in 2017 is kind of really where a big part of his story, a big part of his life um, kind of began in the sense that when he was training, um, you had kidney failure and yeah. you passed out, right? And then after going to the doctor, they diagnosed him with an autoimmune disorder called IgA nephropathy, yep. right? <laughs> um, and then from there on out, I kind of want you to take your story from there, starting back in 2017. So when you were kind of diagnosed with that autoimmune disease, What's going through your head? What's now? What's next for Will Morat? Yeah, so I was in Miami for an event. Um, it's called Wadapalooza, if you guys are familiar with CrossFit. It's like one of the big events outside of the CrossFit Games. So I didn't pass out, per se, but I, uh, I did go into kidney failure, and I spent a week in the hospital in Miami. Um, I went through a bunch of extensive testing, and the nephrologist that I met with said, hey, look, it looks like you have IJ nephropathy. It's this progressive kidney disease, which eventually will lead to kidney failure and you'll need a transplant and you'll need to be on dialysis, yada, yada, yada. Whoa, right? So I was 27 at the tip of the spear in the sport and my whole world like kind of crashed down on me. So I just stopped, I retired. Um, I got a job working in consulting in the tech industry and uh, just moved on with my life. Um, <laughs> Y'all have fun. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, so about eight months into that um, new career, I had been seeing a nephrologist, getting my blood work done, just making sure everything was uh, running smoothly. And my nephrologist in Nashville said, hey, look, you don't have this disease. We went back and looked at your pathology report. There's no evidence of this. It's I don't know what the doctor in Miami was talking about. And, and kind of like through this process, weren't you taking some 
like medication as remedies for this yeah, kind of so, disorder? Yeah, so for any kidney, um, for not for any kidney, but for my specific kidney disease, they treat it with blood pressure medicine. So they were like giving me blood pressure medicine that I was taking every day, um, which for a healthy person isn't healthy, right? Yeah. My blood pressure would get super low. Um, yeah, so like two o'clock every day, I'll never forget this, two o'clock every day for probably six months, I just would get overwhelmed with fatigue. And I didn't know what it was. I was like, maybe corporate America is just really exhausting. <laughs> um, so, that makes sense. Yeah, right? So um, come to find out, I didn't need those drugs that I was taking. Uh, we don't have to dive into like healthcare or any of that. But um, No, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> In Nashville, perfect, right. on the loudspeaker. So uh, yeah, so I uh, was told I didn't have this disease. And I immediately called my wife and was like, hey, this is, this is the deal. Um, so you don't, don't have the disease. Is that like immediately you're like, all right, I'm going to go back into CrossFit or like how, what's the gap time is, uh, between not having the disease anymore to I'm going to go back into doing CrossFit? Yeah. So it was August when I got that news and I didn't compete again until January of 2018. Okay. Um, so it was a little bit of time between, I was still working. I didn't just, I didn't leave my corporate job until February of 2018. Okay. Um, to go back into the sport. So I, I really just wanted to keep training and maybe make my training a little bit more aggressive and see how my body tolerated it. Because it's a traumatic event to like go through kidney failure. And as a professional athlete, there's a, there's a point when you're pushing your body where you can stop like most normal humans will do and you can chill and that's fine. And then you need to, to excel. You have to push beyond that and you have to do that over and over and over and it took me six months to just get comfortable training again um and being comfortable with like feeling kind of shitty after training sessions because yeah. that's what it takes um was there any like one particular training session that you can remember in which like you felt that feeling to where i can now push myself like that little bit extra yeah I, there was a lot of training sessions it's just being really conscious of yeah. myself um and this process has really helped me build self-awareness and, and just consciousness when I'm training um, and just being within my body and knowing all the, the signs of fatigue or overtraining or whatever it is. Uh, so it took some time to get back into the sport, but w when I had some success um, getting comfortable training again, I talked to my wife, we decided we're gonna go back full speed into training. Mm -hmm. I talked to my coach, uh, Max Alhaj, who owns Training Think Tank, um, and he was like, let's see what we can do. So that was February, 2018. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, left the corporate job, started doing some remote coaching and signed on with some sponsors and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, it took about a year and a half to get back to the top of the sport, which right. I feel pretty blessed to be able to do that. When you, when you started to go back full time, that was at like beginning of 2018? Is yeah, right, time, yeah right exactly. timeline. And then in 2018, you, did, you didn't quite make the games because it was just kind of inevitable that you weren't because you didn't have enough training time leading up to it. Did you ever, ever have any like self-doubt about the decision to go back into CrossFit full time? Or were you just like gung-ho committed to that decision that I'm definitely not going to go back to corporate America? Or was there ever like that thought of like, maybe I should just go back? Yeah, I think I, I always have that thought. Yeah. Um, my corporate job was awesome. Um, it supported my family, paid great, great benefits. It was awesome. Um, but it wasn't where my heart was, right? And I've always felt like I had the ability to have a very successful career in this sport. Um, and it was kind of taken from me. So 
you always have doubt um, in whatever you're doing in life, but and I still have it now. But I think the people I surrounded myself with when I made that decision helps kind of crush that because if you have that can't like overwhelm you because it's just clouding the, the journey towards the goal. So there's a little bit of doubt, but I think that's just natural for any pursuit in life. Um, I just, I'm pretty blessed to have the support system around me that no, that's awesome. I think the, focused. Well, let's talk, talk a little bit about that support system. Your wife's name is Cassandra, right? Yeah. Cassandra, Cassandra Cass. Cass. Awesome. Gotcha. So how did you, where did you meet her? Uh, I, she was, what was that? Biology class, sophomore year of high school. <laughs> she was my biology uh, lab partner. High school sweetheart. That's awesome. Yeah. Did y'all, I don't want to get too into it. Yeah, no did breaks. Did y'all date, did yeah, date like, all the way through? Yeah, yeah. She uh, went to Belmont, okay. studied nursing when I was there doing the soccer thing, and she works at Centennial now. She works in the NICU, uh, so the itty-bitty babies. So, yeah, uh, no when, breaks. Uh, when did Just, you guys get married? Um, what was that? May 23rd. 2014. Yeah, I was gonna say, kind of like, kind of <laughs> want to know that date. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you? I'm gonna get a little personal here. When did you know that she was the one that you wanted to marry? Um, was there a defining I, moment? So I told her that I wanted to marry her. It was I didn't propose, but I told her that like I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. We were actually downtown with a bunch of friends, and we walked back from downtown from Midtown. Through the Vandy campus, we lived right off in Hillsborough Village at the time. Yeah. So I told her on a walk. It was like I don't know, midnight. Yeah. Some random night in Nashville. And what before she said, all this stuff was here. What she say back when when you told her that? When you said you want to marry her? What well, I didn't propose right there. No, I know. I, know, I, I know. was like, I think she, I think she was happy. I can't yeah. like remember <laughs> exactly. I'm really digging deep. I think that. I was just kind of like spilling my heart out and like hoping that yeah. it ended up right. I got um, you. But it did. <laughs> All right, cool. So we talked a little bit about the wife. Let's get into your coach, Maxwell Hogg. I know he was yeah. with you since like basically when you started, right? In CrossFit or 2014? 2014. So right after I made the world championships, was like the games um, in 2014, I signed on with him. Yeah. So he, he wasn't there for like my first bid to the games, but right after that, I signed on with him. Um, I was introduced to him through a mutual friend okay. and just kind of stuck it out until now. Um, yeah. he was, he's been with me through all of the ups and downs of my career and life. So that's kind of what you look for when you are building a team. Um, and like professional sports, it's important to have a really good team around you. Yeah. And he's a huge, huge part of that. What do you think like is the biggest learning lesson that you've gotten from him that you don't think you would have gotten from maybe like another coach that you had? Like what makes him special? He's helped me be a lot more introspective um, into why I'm doing what I'm doing. Whether that's just why we're training a certain thing or why we're training a certain way or why results of a performance affect me in a certain way. Um, he's just helped me mature as an athlete and become, you know, like a very seasoned vet who's confident in all my processes and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So just building my self-awareness has been a, a big thing that he's helped me kind of navigate through the journey. Awesome, awesome. I wanna get a little bit into like the actual competition now itself. Is there like any one thing or a couple things that are most important for you in terms of like preparation right before you go compete, whether it's like physically or mental preparation right before you actually get into a competition? I think it changes a little bit for each event. Um, so this was my first season back like on the circuit, right? And I competed four times. So I, I competed in 
DC, Iceland, Brazil, and then Wisconsin to cross the games. And after the first event in DC, I finished third place and I sat down with Max and I was like, well, what can we do better? Um, and it was dialing in game day nutrition. It had been two years since I competed. Uh, dialing in what I did between events, what my recovery looked like between events and between days of the competition. And every event I went to, the goal was to improve those things a little bit and make sure it's just a completely refined process that's mindless. Because the less you think about what I need to do to recover, what do I need to do to eat, um, X, Y, Z, the better you can perform. It's right. less energy wasted. So each event, we refine those things. And I, I took third in DC, second in Iceland, and first in Brazil. And that's kind of like the perfect recipe uh, for proving that our process was working. So I think, obviously, <laughs> that's the long answer. Uh, just making sure I meal prep when I get to a, like if I'm in Iceland and I get there on a Monday and I don't compete till Thursday, I go to the grocery store, I get all my food, um, I cook it all out for the week. Yeah. So I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Like I you said, it's basically just like, so you can channel your energy to the right area. 100%. And not have to like waste it on all yeah. these kind of like things that can be mindless if prepped out beforehand. Yeah, out beforehand. I'll even go to the event, like I'll go to the facility that we'll be competing at and I'll like walk around and I'll get comfortable with my surroundings. Um, so when I walk in the first day of competition, I've been there before, you know, nothing strange. So that that's kind of the process and you just repeat that at every event I go to. Yeah, kind of on the same topic in terms of like the energy thing and like what you're thinking about when you're actually competing, are you actually, are you thinking about anything? Are you thinking about the crowd? Are you thinking about the technique that you have to perform on that exercise or what is actually going through your mind when you're going a particular event? Um, I think it depends what the event is. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to not think. Um, but for example, like if we're doing something like what you just did, it's a million different exercises, a million different reps. There's ways to focus in on like if we're doing squats and I have to do 150 squats in a workout, well, I don't want to necessarily use the same pattern for every squat. Like I can move forward a little bit, make my quads work a little bit harder. I can sit back a little more, make my hamstrings and my glutes work a little bit harder. So there's little ways that you can manipulate the way you're moving to kind of conserve energy. Um, and at, you know, in any sport, it's seconds, right? Or milliseconds that separate, you know, first from second. Right. So that's uh, little things like that, just being super mindful about how I'm moving. But I don't, I don't know that I think too much. Yeah. Uh, I'm conscious of what I'm doing, but I'm not like, oh man, like I have to snatch now. Do I need to like make sure my back's flat and like catch the bar? Yeah, like right. that's, I don't need to be thinking about that because you probably won't be at the top of the score if you're thinking about how to snatch, yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, I think it's more about just managing energy like output. Yeah, so there's a number of guys in CrossFit and in the CrossFit games and stuff that have been routinely kind of at the top. They routinely yeah. get to the games, they routinely kind of place at the games. What do you think is it about those people that allow them to be so consistent to perform at that highest level compared to everybody else? Is it like something with the preparation? Because I feel like everybody kind of knows what workouts to do and can push themselves to that like kind of utmost level. So if, is there anything that you might be able to point out that allows those people to stay at the top so consistently compared to everybody else? I think it's probably health. I think, you know, take the top 10 guys in the world. There's not a lot that's separating us. Um, 
But if I come in and I have like a little knee tendonitis and maybe I haven't been squatting as much coming into an event and you've been perfectly healthy, then that's a huge separator. Yeah. Right. So I think the guys that are repeatedly at the top of any sport are really good at just managing their health and and not just and being mindful about what why they're training. Um, just exercising and actually training are different. Yeah. Because um, training, there's kind of intention where a lot of people like just that. do mindless exercise, like even in the like pros in the sport, just kind of throw volume, volume, volume. And they don't really know why they're doing it. They're just doing it because they think they need to do it. Where if you actually have an intentional direction about why you're doing certain things, that'll help you stay healthier. It'll help your longevity in the sport. And hopefully if you're healthy and you're having a long career, it's been successful. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. So if it's health and being like intentional and being aware about your body in order to make sure you're as healthy as possible going into it, what's like over the last year been the biggest thing that you've become most aware of about your own body in terms of trying to keep it at its peak health? Taking my rest day seriously um, and my recovery seriously. And I typically do like an active recovery, which is a super chill, like out like road bike and swim or jog on Thursday. And then I'll take Sunday completely off. So making sure that um, I'm being diligent and not if I see one of my buddies do something, cause that still affects me a little bit like, and I want to do it on Thursday, just don't do it. You know, I'm 30 years old. Like I don't need to be emotion, have emotional reactions towards silly things like that. Like, Oh, I need to go work out. Um, so that's been a really big thing. Just not throwing an extra volume when I think I need to and really dialing in my nutrition. I work with Jamie free. Who's 27 health and wellness. He's in uh, Brentwood as well. So, he talks to me weekly and we make adjustments based on what my training looks like. And then lastly is sleep. Um, yeah. I try to sleep close to 10 hours every night, wow. um, which sounds crazy, but it <laughs> yeah, really helps. Get up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I got to make sure my body's recovering. So like eight to 10 hours is Dang, good for nice. me. Um, and I have the luxury to like kind of do that. Yeah. So, well, so uh, let's kind of get into more of your, your kind of day. So after your 10 hours of sleep and you wake up like <laughs> eyes as wide as possible and super rested, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> what does what your, your kind of day look like in terms of training? How, how much do you train? What times do you train at? And what does the intentional training throughout the day look like? Um, so right now I wake up probably around eight-ish and I'll eat breakfast. Um, and I'll go to the gym, I'll get to the gym around nine and I'll train from roughly nine to 11, 11.30 some days. Then I'll eat, um, I might have some like intro workout during that, like some carbohydrate and then I'll train again from one to three, roughly. I'll eat again and then sometimes I train from like five to seven. Um, I'm not doing triples right now because I'm not prepping for an event. Yeah, okay. and I'm kind of rehabbing the hamstring but the closer you get to an event, the more volume you need to put in because most of these events are, you know, you're working out five times a day for three days in a row. So you can't just work out, you know, once a day and be prepared for that. So as I get closer to uh, an actual competition, I'll raise that volume a little bit. Gotcha. I'll wait for them again. I love that song. <laughs> I did too. You can sing, bro. You got the mic. <laughs> um, so leading up to the that your 10th place finish in the CrossFit Games, I want you to kind of insert something into the sentence. If I hadn't started doing blank, 
I wouldn't have had the level of success at the games that I did. Hmm. I didn't start having... If you, had, if you didn't start doing something in particular, if you didn't change something in particular... One word answer? No, you can, you can fill in <laughs> with like nine sentences if you want to. I, whatever. I think self-belief in what I was doing. I think it's easy to get distracted by what other people in the sport are doing or just that inherent desire to do more. Um, I really believed in my process this whole year and I kind of got confirmation bias by improving at each sanctioned event I went to and that was really important. So just completely going all in into my process and letting that kind of navigate the waters because I know like my performance, I'm going to do as best as I can at every event I go to. It's not like I'm going to go to an event and not try my hardest. Right. Um, so that's a given. But making sure that I kind of have a dialed-in approach. So, yeah, just believing in my process. So do you think, what was the biggest part? And you mentioned the one thing, like getting the success and the continued like third, second, increased place finishes at these events. But what outside of that allowed you to increase that level of self-belief that you're talking about was so important? Uh, I think the best thing for any pursuit, the best confirmation is winning. Yeah. You know what I mean? So being able to actually get the results that I'm ultimately going for and to win is the best confirmation I could get. I'm like, oh, well, I got third place. Let's refine a few things where I went wrong and see how I do. And then I did that and I got second. And it was like, okay, well, maybe I had a little less than perfect execution. Next event, let's try to do that and then I got first and I was like okay well this seems to be working yeah um, let's keep doing that and we brought that into the games obviously I like tore my hamstring at the game so Sunday was kind of a wash uh, as far as what I was able to do um, winning events wise yeah. but I felt like we were trending towards another podium finish so yeah no but I think that's like a big lesson in terms of like increasing your self-belief because of a result like now that might sound for some people like a little bit hard to get because it's like, oh, I have to win to actually get belief, but how can I get belief before I actually win? I think it's like really important to make small goals on like your pursuit of a big goal because if you're able to see like the small win, that's gonna increase that level of self-belief because if you're only banking on that long-term, that big win to get your self-belief, then it's gonna take forever or it's never gonna come and you're gonna stop staying committed to whatever your process is. So were there any like maybe small things that you did every single day to like check off and you don't have to physically check it off, but like any small things that you did every day that would be like small wins for you? Um, and maybe some, man, maybe it was, not even consciously that you noted them as such, but like maybe looking back on it now that that was like maybe just like training this much was like a win for that day sort of a thing. Yeah, I, I kind of let my body dictate how hard I push in training. Um, and I really listened through the whole kidney thing. It kind of like, <laughs> that's self-correcting, right? Like you go to kidney failure, you need to change something. Um, so every day in training, if I like, it hurts to train all the time. It, like it doesn't feel good. Uh, but there's, you know, muscle burning pain and like metabolic pain. And then there's like actual joint pain, injury pain. So I am very conscious of, how my body's feeling yeah. and if I have like a little tightness in my back or something I'll just chill or I won't go as heavy or I'll go home I'll call it a day if like I get like a weird tweak from something and I used to not do that so 
again, man, it's like my answer for everything. Just like being self-aware and yeah, just no, having huge. a lot of just like consciousness when you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, no, I think self-awareness is one of the biggest things that we need to work on in order to get to the best version of ourselves. But I feel like a lot of people here probably have, you know, CrossFit has this stigma of being a little bit dangerous, creating a lot of injuries and being and just kind of being dangerous. So what would you say to somebody who came up to you and asked you about CrossFit in terms of how safe it is and the injuries that it might be might cause and things of that nature? What do you say to that person? Yeah, so I, I, it depends what their goals are. If you come up to me and you're like, I want to make the CrossFit Games, I'm going to be like, well, that's not healthy. Like, <laughs> it's professional sports aren't healthy, yeah. you know what I mean? But just training, whether it's CrossFit or boot camp or HIIT training or whatever it is, if you have somebody who's smart and cares about your well-being leading you through the process, then hopefully it goes well. Um, I'm not r really biased towards CrossFit or HIT or boot camp, whatever. It, ultimately, we're all just trying to get tired, right? Like, yeah. that's the end result. So if you're having fun and you're feeling healthy, then I think that's the best you, right? right. There you go. So, um, again, CrossFit games training or being a professional triathlete or an Olympian or whatever it is, is much, much different than what we did today. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people think, oh, I do CrossFit, like, oh, they're psychos, I see them on ESPN, like, that's what they do. And it's like, nah, not really. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's like 0.1% of people that do CrossFit actually go to the CrossFit games. Right. Um, it's like flag, how many flag football leagues are there? And, you know, there's only, what, 53 guys on each NFL team. Yeah. So it's just a totally different pursuit. Um, fitness and being healthy is awesome, and it's a huge passion of mine. And all of my, I'm, in my immediate friend group, I'm the only CrossFit Games athlete. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a few friends who are also pro athletes, but most of our friends are just regular people who like to do fitness. Some of them do boot camp. Orange Theory, CrossFit, doesn't matter. Um, they're just yeah, having no, fun. I, you know what I mean? I agree. I think like the biggest, because I may, I probably had a little bit of that stigma too, but like the biggest thing that I heard to change that is like, it's a sport. Like the people who are going to actually participate in it, like for the games or for competition, is it's a sport. And in every sport, there's injuries. It's part of it. So just kind of knowing that it's a sport, knowing that it's part of the process is just kind of the biggest thing to realize. And not everybody has to compete at that level. No, it, not everybody should try to do that right. either, because um, it it's it's tough. It's a nine to five, or it's it's more than that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that there's. I, I don't like that there's stigmas no, no, around any fitness discipline because it's just like people trying to have fun, sweat a little bit. But yeah. All right. Well, so we're gonna be down to the last two questions. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you know I usually ask the la same last two questions. So the first one is you said you're 30 years old right now, right? Yep. So in 10 years down the road, you're going to be 40. Yeah. Does that scare you a little bit? No? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's inevitable, right? <laughs> I haven't thought about that, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> well, now you're going to think about it. So 10 years down the road, you're 40 years old. What does Will Morad look like? What have you done? What have you accomplished? And what are you currently doing? Yeah, so I won't be competing in CrossFit in 10 years. Um, I'd like to do this until I'm 35, so hopefully five more games appearances. Um, hopefully a few podiums on there, maybe a win. Uh, there you go. And I'll probably at that point have grown my remote coaching business to where I'm 100% coach and not competing anymore. I know there's like masters CrossFit and stuff. I don't know that that's super appealing to me right now. 
just because the time it takes to actually compete in this sport is so much time, right? Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of like time for family and friends. Uh, it's just always training, eat, sleep, train. So sleep yeah, for ten hours. Yeah, sleep all day. Just <laughs> um, so yeah, hopefully uh, a pretty fruitful CrossFit Games career cool. um, and a thriving remote coaching business. Cool. Well, good deal. Before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you because I really like how you kept coming back to like the self-awareness thing. I can tell and everybody can tell that you're a much more like mental athlete than probably a lot of people give meatheads credit yeah, for. Yeah. Um, no, but you can tell like you're very intentional about your training and about everything that you do about sleeping 10 hours a day, uh, about sleeping 10 hours a day and a lot of other things. <laughs> no, you guys should try it. I just can't. Uh, no, but I just think it's really cool that you can tell how of a mental athlete you are. Um, so I want to acknowledge you for that. And also, I want to make sure people can support you in the you know the following things that you got going on. You're on Instagram at WillMorad, W-I-L-L-M-O-O-R-A-D. Yep. So make sure you follow him. Um, a lot of pictures with his shirt off. And uh, <laughs> um, and then what do you, what do you uh, have coming up in terms of events, in terms of competing? Yeah, so first thing is the Open in October, October 10th, and that's a five-week qualification, uh, online qualification thing, and that will hopefully gain me entry into several events uh, throughout the season. And I think the first event that I'm going to do, granted I qualify, is in Dubai in uh, December. So that'll be the first one. And then there's six to eight, including that one throughout the season that I'll, nice. I'll be focusing on, but that's cool. the first one the open and then Dubai. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, good luck. Everybody make sure you go follow him on Instagram and follow his journey and everything like that. Um, after today, but the last question, you know, the podcast is called best you. I believe that becoming the best version of yourself as a constant journey. Not sure if we're ever to that person. Um, I think if we think we're that person, then we get complacent and stop trying to grow. Um, but I also think it's a very unique journey. I think that the way that I'm going to become the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different from the way that you become the best version of yourself. So what I want to ask for you personally is if you could currently work on or do three things to get closer to that best version of yourself, to get closer to that best version of Will Morad, what would those three things be that you could do or that you could work on? Um, it's tough because <laughs> I try to like separate myself into like athlete will and right. then like husband will, family will, friend will. Uh, I think as far as the friend, family, husband part, I could probably just let that part of my life grow a little bit more. Um, the and friend like, and family yeah, part? No, I mean just like go and like hang out with my friends if they're like going out or something. I'm typically gonna just stay home and chill because just going out in Nashville's a tempting thing, right? Yeah. So I just kinda like, but maybe just being a little more free with that. Um, and uh, well, I feel like I balanced that decently well. Um, athlete part, I think for me, and it sounds kind of crappy, like the best version of me would be to win the CrossFit Games. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, if you, had to do, if you had to pick one thing to make that happen, what would it be? I know there's like a ton of things, Yikes. but uh, I guess just enjoy the process. Okay. It gets pretty stressful at some points. Um, especially when you're training six, eight hours a day leading yeah. into an event and your joints hurt and everything and it's easy to just be like, oh, this sucks. But I'm privileged to be able to do what I do and to have the abilities that I have. Um, so just enjoying that process and yeah. reminding myself that like this is pretty freaking awesome. So, uh, so we got to enjoy going out with friends a little bit more, maybe <laughs> spending some time. 
enjoying the process for the athlete, whether you want to go into family or whatever it is, what's that number three? I think being able to share my process with like a, a, a wider audience, um, that's kind of outside of those two things. Yeah. Uh, that might be like more what I stand for, my mantra, whatever it is. I think that I've gone through a lot and experienced a lot in the fitness realm uh, from school to being a pro athlete to leaving the sport and all those things. So I think I just have a lot to share with people. Um, so maybe just growing that avenue a little bit. That's awesome. Those are three great things. Everybody give Will a round of applause real quick. All right, guys. Hope everyone had a great time. Appreciate you coming in. Um, make sure you get a couple drinks. Just have a good Saturday. Appreciate you guys. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Will had some amazing insights into how we can separate ourselves from the pack and elevate our own games in whatever it is that we do. If you enjoyed the show, I hope you take a second to share it with a friend you think would be inspired by it. Share it with someone who's looking to upgrade an area of their life. Send it to someone who you want to further support in their goals. And if you send in a quick review to let me know your favorite part, I'd be much appreciated. And let me know what you're going to start taking action on today. If there's ever a guest you want to hear from on this show, then let me know. Send me a message saying I should interview so-and-so on the podcast because of how much value that you know that they bring to the show. Remember the difference between training and exercising. No, we don't all need to be training in the gym all the time. But the more we can train instead of exercise in our own personal goals, our goals at work, our business goals, whatever goals it is, the more intentional we can be about those, the more successful we will be in them. So now it's time. Let's work on being intentional about our actions and our pursuits every single day so that we can be self-aware to know what's helping and what's not, and then either double down or pivot as we need to so that we can get closer and closer to your best you.